Welcome into you the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Knicks. My name Your is Gavin Shaw. I'm going to tell you how podcast. a lack of Part adjustments of from Tom podcast Thibodeau Network. ultimately doomed Your the New York Knicks in game every three. day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here. There he comes. Right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. If you do, that would make you an everyday. And we love our everydayers here at Locked On Knicks. We also love you. If you're a first-time listener, if you're a first-time listener, I want to remind you to subscribe um, on YouTube. Hit the notifications bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode. And also, who I am, I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster, typically... I'd be joined by Alex Wolf, um, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, who I got to hang out with today um, at The Strickland Watch Party, um, which was a whole lot of fun. Hope you guys uh, come through next time they do it. Um, if you're there today, it was, it was great meeting you, getting to talk to you. Um, and because of that, Alex and I agreed in person that that game was so miserable. Um, we didn't want to do a full pod um, we're going to both go back. We're going to dive into the film and come at you with, with something deeper. But I was sitting um, by myself in my apartment, just thinking about this game kind of over and over again. And uh, and where I thought the Knicks went wrong, I was like, you know, what? let me go on. Let me talk it out a little, a little, little better help for myself, a little self-therapy, a little self-love, um, get out all my feelings on this game. And then uh, we'll come back with with more of a film, filmy take. Um, tomorrow so that'll be for monday morning uh but for now uh the new york knicks fall 105 to 86 to the miami heat in a game that was never close right the knicks at points got it down to 12 and you were like all right maybe like i mean we were having this conversation when we were watching at the bar like maybe if they just hit a few more shots like you get it to seven at halftime you get it to i don't know like 11 by the end of the third quarter heck we were we were talking ourselves into hey you hit you hit two threes here it's an It's an eight-point game, five minutes left. The Knicks still got a shot. Well, reality was they never had a chance to win this game. They're outplayed from the opening minute. They didn't really show up for this one. And and Jimmy Butler's return um, meant a lot for Miami. Bam out of bio, I thought was amazing. But this was just a total team failure um, for the New York Knicks. And that that has to start with Tom Thibodeau because I I don't think he had these guys – ready to play today. I don't think he anticipated any of the adjustments that Eric Spolster was going to make. And I don't, I, I think, I don't think he had good reactions to them. Uh, my first issue um, starts with him continuing to start Josh Hart. It is a myth that Josh Hart is better at guarding Jimmy Butler than Quentin Grimes is. But unfortunately it is a myth that Tom Thibodeau believes in. And, and let's just, let's just say for the sake of, of argument, right. That Josh Hart is is minimally better than Quentin Grimes at guarding Jimmy Butler. It does not equate to what you lose on offense when you have Josh Hart in there instead of Quentin Grimes. And, and you're probably listening and saying, Gavin, I, I must be missing something here. Because Josh Hart finished this game with 15 points and 12 rebounds. He shot 5 of 12 from the field, made two threes, hit three free throws, was only a minus six in a game that the Knicks lost by 19, while Quentin Grimes 
played 22 minutes and didn't really do much of anything, right? Had eight points, but most of it was in garbage time. Still can't hit a three to save his life, was just one for four. Doesn't really seem like there's a discernible difference between the two. And I would posit that you have to look at the effect they both have off the ball. When Quentin Grimes is on the floor, the Miami Heat do not leave him. They, they rarely help off him. Um, and when they do, they can because the Knicks just, just have a tendency um, to flat out ignore Quentin Grimes when he's wide open. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But when you're running like what should be the life, maybe not the lifeblood of your offense, but, but one of your pet plays, right? A 1-5 pick and roll between Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson because you're trying to get Kevin Love into the action and, and hopefully trying to allow Jalen Brunson to play Kevin Love off the floor and out of this series. Um, when you do that, you want to have a shooter at least on one of the wings because then Miami can't help from that wing. But when Josh Hart is in the game, Mitch can dive to the rim and the wing can come over and bump him and ensure that he doesn't get a lob dunk. And that gives Kevin Love time to hedge and not let Jalen Brunson get an open shot or lane, recover onto Mitchell Robinson. And all Jalen Brunson can really do is either attack one-on-one against his initial matchup, which as we saw in like his current hobbled state, continuing to shoot pretty much every jumper he takes short. It's not really a great option. He shot seven for 20. Can't hit threes again. 0 for 5 from 3. 20 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. This isn't me going after Jalen Brunson. He's still probably the best Nick, all things considered offensively. You know, I'll take out the probably. He was still easily the best Nick, despite shooting 35% and 0% from 3 in this game. But when you're allowed to do that as a defense, you um, excuse me, you are allowed to do that as a defense because when the Knicks pass it out to Josh Hart, you know what he does? He pump fakes, he waits for the defender to come out, and then he drives into a sea of bodies. And, and sometimes he's going to make that work. because He's a smart player. He's a great finisher. He's fast. He's physical. But mostly that's not going to work. So what you want ideally is to have Quentin Grimes in the corner because he should be able to hit a three eventually. But even if he doesn't, Miami's going to respect him and stay closer to him. And then if they close out him hard, Quentin Grimes is fantastic at beating the closeout and going to the room. And I know if you guys have been listening to the podcast recently, you know that that isn't necessarily a new revelation. It's something we've talked about, but I keep bringing it up because it continues not to change for the New York Knicks. Um, and that is extraordinarily frustrating. Uh, three games into the series that Tom Thibodeau is not seeing that. And he just has this dogmatic approach that, all right, Josh Hart, he's physical, he's tough, he's the heart of a line, he's got that dog in him, however you want to phrase it. He's the guy to guard Jimmy Butler. Well, guess what? Jimmy Butler had like 12 points in the first eight minutes of this game on Josh Hart. That's not an indictment on Josh Hart. That is just what the best offensive players in the NBA do. Even when it's Kawhi Leonard guarding them. I mean, we saw with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in that Sun series, right? Like, you're gonna, like these guys are going to get their points. Like, and that's not to say, like, look, obviously, if, if the Knicks were putting – RJ Barrett on him if they're God forbid putting Jalen Brunson on Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that would that would be a proverbial and 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 you know not even a proverbial that would that would be an actual problem. But Quinn Grimes is a fantastic defender. And I think for the Knicks to have any chance in this series, he is gonna need to start game four. And I kind of wish Tibbs had just played him the whole second half, let him get up like 15 shots and, and got him out of this funk that he is currently in. Um, because he needs to find his confidence. We're talking about a guy who hit at least five threes in two separate games against the Miami Heat this year. I believe had 20 points in at least two separate games against the Miami Heat this year. He can be a very real contributor for this team, with his shooting, with his defense. And honestly, I think he could provide some off-the-dribble verve 
that this offense desperately, desperately needs right now. And this Knicks team that was better than Miami all year, that beat them three out of four times, is fundamentally changing the way that they're playing to try and beat a team that they were already better than throughout the season. And I know Miami in the playoffs is a different animal. And I know like the, the pressures of the playoffs are, are clearly, clearly, clearly having more of an impact on the Knicks who don't have a lot of experience versus the Heat who are as battle-tested as any team outside of the Warriors in the NBA. So all those things are true, but this still should be a series between two equal teams. And through three games, it hasn't been, right? We've seen Miami beat the Knicks in game one in a game that was like a six or seven point game, but didn't actually feel that close. We barely, barely, barely win a game where Miami was missing Jimmy Butler and Miami led most of that game. And then on Miami's home floor, we, we saw that we just watched the Knicks get their butts kicked. And that is because they are trying, they, they've spooked themselves. They are trying to adjust to things to an opponent that they are making out to be greater than they actually are, I think is the best way I can phrase that. And it's kind of, I, I've referenced it a lot on this podcast, but it's a Sam Darnold quote. The Knicks, the Knicks are seeing ghosts with the Miami Heat right now. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I will, um, I will roll through some of my other issues with this one uh, real quick, um, including the play of Julius Randle and Emmanuel Quickly, who are, Supposed to be two of the Knicks' top three players and are not that right now. But first, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage Look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. All right, with that, guys, we are back on the Locked on Knicks podcast. And I wanted to go through the play of the rest of the Knicks key pieces. I, I kind of touched on Jalen. I don't think there's really a ton to make of it right now outside the fact that he is, I believe, less than 100%. I thought he got a little... Chucky again at points in this game. I almost don't blame him because no one else on this Knicks offense could do anything or find anything. But I, I, I still like, I see the assist numbers and I want to go back and watch because this doesn't feel fair of me to say without like really watching this game and like closely taking notes, but it's still like the, the feeling I had in this game was again, like he, he still didn't do a good enough job in this first half, getting guys easy shots. But part of that is when he kicks it out again and Josh Hart and RJ Barrett are wide open and they're not taking it. That's not on Jalen Brunson. So I don't want to totally knock him for that. Overall, like he, I think, like obviously his health is a concern, but like his effort and his level of play is like not my biggest problem right now. Um, I cannot say the same, unfortunately, about Julius Randle, who finished this game with the same number of fouls 
the same number of turnovers as made field goals. All of them were four. Shot 0 for 5 from 3. Inexplicably tried to play bully ball against Bam out of bio a couple of times in this game. It just felt like a regression after a game where we were so complimentary of the guy because of his ability to just move the basketball along, set guys up for easy shots. He finishes this game with two assists after getting eight last game. Felt like that that unselfishness that he played with last time out just sort of went away. The premeditated creation went away. And again, if the Knicks play more shooting around him, I think all that stuff will be a lot easier. The lane will be less clogged. So it's on Tibbs to, to do some of that. But you could see how things were mucked up for him because I, I don't really think health is his biggest issue at this point. Like he, he looks super explosive to me in game two. Maybe not like 100%, but 92% if I'm going to eyeball it. And, and just from an IQ perspective, he sucked in this game. It was, it was very sloppy, very bad. And I don't I, – I hope it's better next game. I can't say I have a lot of confidence right now. And look, this is a guy all season has largely answered the bell, has largely bounced back when he hasn't performed well. But this was, this was really ugly and felt like a bit of a regression towards the old Julius. Emmanuel quickly, um, first of all, hope he's okay. Really badly turned his ankle is, is what it looked like. Um, sprained ankle was the official diagnosis, said he was in a lot of pain. So first of all, I feel for the guy, um, if you listen to this pod, you know he is he's my favorite Nick. So uh, this has not been a pleasant playoffs from, from that perspective. But the lack of self-awareness from Emmanuel quickly, like he, he's trying to get himself going. But it is, it is the NBA playoffs. Every game matters. Every moment matters. Every shot matters. He has to do it within the flow of the offense. And instead, we saw him like dribbling up with the Knicks down by like 14 points and, and just shucking a 30-footer or taking a contested three or contested mid-range shot early in the shot clock. And I was, I was happy to see him like late in his run, get going a little bit, like have a couple drives, hit a couple floaters, hit an open three. And and Tibbs Tibbs still has to play him. I, I think did he, did he even play in the first quarter? I'll 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 promise I'll double check that for the next podcast. I don't even think he played in the first quarter of this game. Um, he needs to be out there because he like the Knicks. Maybe maybe they'll die with him. It's it's probably even likely at this point that they'll die with him. But you got to live or die with the guy at this point. He's 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 been your dude all season long. He has the talent. He has the ability. Um, but he is pressing right now, and I I think it's frustrating to me like offensively because defensively um, he continues to be really good, but off outside of this game, Kyle Lowry just uh, bullied him twice. So with, with that caveat, he's, he's largely been very good on defense. Um, offensively he needs to stop pressing. He needs to play within the flow of things. The Knicks need to get him some reps on the ball. Fred Katz in his article uh, for the athletic preview in this game three noted like the percentage of pick and rolls he's running is down something like 75%. Like he, he's just not getting the same opportunities. Just not going to play with Josh Hart, who was his best running mate, um, replacing Obi Toppin all season long. Like that needs to change. So there are things that Tom Thibodeau can do to make life easier for Emmanuel quickly, but some of his own quickly just focusing on getting to the line, focusing on getting to floater range because he's, he's been pretty good doing that the last three or four games. Now the threes aren't falling, maybe only take open ones for a little bit, but even, even still same thing with him and Grimes. Like he is at least going to be covered when he's out there. Unlike R.J. Barrett, unlike Josh Hart, and, and R.J. finally came back to earth, five for 16, two for seven, two for three. I thought he was 
far from the Knicks' biggest problem. I know you look at the you look at the box score and it, and it screams that RJ was easily the Knicks' biggest problem. Like the Knicks' starting lineup in this game, Julius Randle was a minus six. Mitch Robinson was a minus four. Jalen Brunson was a minus six. Josh Hart was a minus six. Um, Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly minus eight, minus five respectively. RJ Barrett a minus thirty-two in twenty-five minutes. Um, so I might be missing some stuff defensively that were real issues for RJ. Um, but to me, the biggest issue with him is just that other teams still don't guard him. And and even um, coming off a game where he shot five for nine from three, Miami does not respect his shot. And, and they are saying, look, if you were going to kill us with R.J. Barrett making threes, go ahead and do it. We will we will be happily buried alive. And, man, everything I said about Emmanuel quickly, about R.J. Barrett, I think at points in this game, having a little bit of a lack of self-awareness, but not, not a huge issue. I think mostly he just missed shots that he should make and – he should keep taking the ways and playing this playoffs, but Obi Toppin, same deal. Shot four threes in this game. It just, it just didn't feel like that was it today. Like again, like just did not, did not shoot the basketball well. Some of them came early in the shot clock. Not what you want, particularly when you're struggling. And then just couldn't get out of his own way at points. Had three turnovers, like one where he just caught the ball and was stepping on the sideline. Like lack of awareness, missing layups. Not great defensively. Again, on first watch, I'd like to rewatch to confirm that. But um, he's, I think, in a in a big lineup, he's becoming kind of unplayable in this series. I'm curious what would happen if the Knicks went back to that small ball look. I would actually really like the Knicks to try going back to small ball because Miami does not have a center that's going to beat you. Okay, well, that's okay. Let me let me restate that. Bam Adebayo is not someone who is going to physically dominate Julius Randle posting up. Um, and then Miami's only other guy who's like consistently attacking the rim. I know Cody Martin's decent at it, but it's Jimmy Butler. And, and for Jimmy Butler, like I'm sure, look, there's some shots that don't get taken because Mitchell Robinson is on the floor. But there's a real argument for the Knicks going small and playing small more. Look pretty decent. The final six minutes of this game. And because of the way Miami plays, it would give them more flexibility on defense and, and give them, even if they're going to play Josh Hart and RJ Barrett, you get to slip Quentin Grimes in that lineup. And suddenly you have some genuine spacing on offense, um, which would be fantastic uh, the way things are going. All right. Um, let's take one final break. We're going to come back and I'll, I'll vent a little more, maybe about like some final adjustments that Tom Thibodeau can make. All right, guys, we're back. Third and final segment. Um, I just noted one of the main ones. I think the Knicks, could try to play smaller. I just don't think this is the series for Mitchell Robinson. Like it just, it's not working right now. The biggest frustration I have with Tibbs right now is that when Kevin Love and Duncan Robinson are being allowed to play a combined 36 minutes when they should be played off the floor almost immediately, this isn't a heat team with a lot of depth and the Knicks should be able to cut that depth even further by putting Love and Robinson in pick and roll over and over and over again. And we know what Miami is going to do in those situations. Again, they're going to, they're going to have the big guy or, or Robinson, if it's if it's him, show, and then try to recover. But again, if you put a lineup out there, let's just say is Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, Jalen Brunson, even let's keep a center in there, Julius Randle and Isaiah Hartenstein, they are not going to be able to do that. They can't do that. Because guys quickly and Grimes are just going to get open threes and they're eventually going to make open threes. So the Knicks have ways to punish it. Tibbs has just chosen not to go in that direction. And he also, like, 
I don't know. Maybe this was adjusted over the course of the game, but early in this game, like again, like this was something talking um, to some of the Strickland guys um, there. Zach Deluzio, I know, is, is uh, rightly pointing this out a ton. The Knicks like can switch everything on defense. Basically, all actions not involving Jimmy Butler or Bam are eminently switchable. I was talking about this a lot last game, and I'm kind of um, mystified that four days later, four days you had between games, Tom Thibodeau still not figured this out. You don't really have to close out, or sorry, you you don't have to respect the driving game of Max Struess or Gabe Vincent or Duncan Robinson. Just switch. And the Knicks, they did more of this in the second half, for sure. But I don't understand how you don't start the game this way. And it just still feels like three games in, the New York Knicks don't really know the Miami Heat's personnel. I shouldn't even say three games in. They played them seven times this season now. And they're still not sure, like, all right, is Gabe Vincent, Kyrie Irving out there? Is he going to toast Obi Toppin on a switch? No. That's what you want Miami's offense to be. What you don't want it to be is Jimmy Butler operating one-on-one or Cody freaking Zeller diving to the rim for layups or Bam getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. That's another thing. This team that was so dominant on the glass, it looked like the Miami made the Knicks look like Cleveland this game. They could not get a rebound to save their life. And some of it like felt fluky. Some of it felt like loose balls just going against them. Some of it felt like Pat Riley like sacrificing babies to the basketball devil. I don't know what it was, but Miami got every loose ball in this game. Some of that has to just be hustle, but some of that is a defense that is constantly jumping out of position and is very rarely in the right spot preemptively on a shot to box out and get a freaking board. Um, I'm going to stop there because I promised that this wouldn't be super long and I want to go more in depth on all of this tomorrow, but I just, I wanted, I needed, I needed to get that out. That was cathartic for me. I hope it was cathartic for some of you. Thank you all for listening. And we will be back um, either. I guess I'm going to put this out Sunday morning. So we'll be back either later tonight or Monday morning um, in your podcast feeds. Um, but until next time, I'm Gavin Shaw. This was Locked on Knicks. Thank you for tuning in. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.